he uh gracious introduction the I am the director of Christian Challenge, and so I get out to the college campuses in town, and and uh, when we were planning this, it was back, I don't know, it was probably in June <clears throat> when we were looking at things, and Ryan said, hey, there's going to be some weeks open. If you want to bring a message, that'd be good, and I said, yeah, I mean, I kind of always go with the be ready in season and out to share the reason for the hope that you have within, and so anytime I get a chance, I, I like to be able to get up in front and talk a little bit and, and uh, talk about God's Word. And <clears throat> and so I said, yeah, I'll take uh, any one of them but the day that I'm getting back from vacation, and it'll be good. And so he gave me this one. Well, I didn't think about looking at my calendar, but this morning was also the first uh, Welcome Week event for one of the colleges, and those are always packed with fun and nervousness and wondering how that's going to go and getting in front of people and talking a bunch. And, and uh, as the week got closer, I started thinking, quite honestly, what in the world was I thinking about? I don't ever book anything on the weeks that, uh, the welcome weeks. That and fall conference weekend, nothing else gets any time during those times. And so, uh, but here I am, and, and, and I've enjoyed preparing the message. I've probably, I don't know, two or three years ago, God really... Uh, whispered in my ear, I think, about suffering and pain and what what that has to do with uh, our walk and why it is that that we should be joyful in our suffering and pain. But before we get too started, <clears throat> we're going to look at patience and suffering tonight, and, and uh, we're going to look at some, like, five different things that that allows us to to experience that we would not be able to experience outside of that, the people who haven't been through suffering at, at any level will not have experience, and they're they're all crucial to our walks with Christ, and and uh, many of them are very much Jesus centered in and of themselves. But we'll get to talking about that. But <clears throat> looking at the book of James in chapter five, what we're dealing with the last chapter of the book, and and James is kind of wrapping things up, and so um, I. I want you to imagine for just a moment that we're, our setting is back when, when James was writing this, and, and you're in the church that James wrote this to. He wrote it to the believers, right? We looked at that in James chapter 1, and, and, uh, <clears throat> and we, don't have, we don't have phones, and we don't have printing presses. We don't have 30 copies of this letter that came to the church here a few weeks ago. We got the one copy. Somebody brought it by hand and handed it to our to our rabbi, our our leader, and he read it and he said, "Wow, that is that is amazing. I got to get this around." And so he starts passing it to people, and you just got it for the first time. The envelope's a little bit tattered. You know how it looks when the envelope's been opened a few times, <clears throat> and. Uh, Here's what you see when you open it up. Page five. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits. Wait. Page five. There's something missing. We've got page five here. Now, <clears throat> some of us, well, Ryan, not even Ryan. 
but maybe some of us have been here every week since we started this, clear back in the beginning of the summer. So you've heard every message out of James. You've studied all the verses coming up to now. Most of us have missed at least a few of those. I've missed at least two of them, maybe three. Ryan missed a couple while he was gone. I'm sure he studied them anyway because, after all, he is the pastor, right? And <clears throat> so he's no doubt knows them in and out. He was undoubtedly ready tonight so that if I called and said, hey, I can't be there, he would actually be able to pull this thing off. But, um, but even then, our memories can get a little bit foggy about what we've got. And notice the word that I have highlighted there, be patient, therefore, brothers. What do you think of when you see a therefore? What's it there for? That's where we go with that. So whenever you see therefore in Scripture, you've heard Andy say this before, we're supposed to be thinking, okay, what's that there for? What? Why is it saying therefore? Well, it's referring back. And so we need to kind of take a look back at what we've been going for because if we don't, we're going to get an out-of-context view of what it even means by suffering in this, in this particular thing. So let's take a quick look at that. James chapter 1, well, it started off with, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Well, that doesn't sound so good. And then in verse 19, it says, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Because human anger doesn't produce the righteousness of God. It doesn't re- produce the righteousness that God desires. And we're going, whoa, many trials, and, and now I've been angry in the last hour. And then you look at page 2, and he says, believers in our glorious Jesus Christ, you, you can't show favoritism. And I think I was just kind of being that way with my kids just a minute ago. And if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, you're going to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, my neighbor was yelling at my dog this morning, and I was growling under my breath at him. So far, I'm like, oh, for four. And he says, and faith without deeds is dead. Ugh. Well, page three just keeps getting better because I'm grumbling to myself, right? And the first thing I read on page three is, <sighs> the tongue is a, is a fire. A world of evil. It sets my life on fire, and then it's set on fire itself by hell. No human can tame it. This isn't getting better, guys. This is just getting tougher. What am I going to do? Maybe I can think of something that I could do. And then I start looking on, and it says, Wisdom? trying to come up with some wisdom to try to do something right. And he says, no, the wisdom from the world isn't self-seeking, but it's considerate and submissive and pure and peace-loving and full of mercy and impartial and sincere. It's kind of describing all those things that we just looked at, and I'm going, oh, I don't even want to go to page four, but I have to read it because James wrote it. (sighs) Yeah, fights among us. Yeah, I can... I can remember some of those. They don't come from, uh, from good places. They come from evil desires that battle within me. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Uh, don't slander one another. 
And as it is, you boast about your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. And to boot, if anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, well, it's sin for them. So even the things that I didn't get done that I thought I should are coming back to haunt me now. And we're, and, and we're just through page four. And so here we are. And he says, therefore. So you get a feel for what the therefore is there for? This whole thing has been leading right up to this point, And now we're getting into a rap, and we're saying, therefore, be patient, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth? Be patient about it until it receives the early rains and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts. You know, when he says be patient and establish your hearts, in some translation it's stand your ground. So it's not be patient and just let it go, but it's be patient while you're standing your ground. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. You know, I think about that that verse, and I think, ah, that's that's a little bit. Do you ever remember like listening to the kids? I, I mostly remember that most clearly from grandkids right now. But I remember it from my kids too. And you kind of ear hustling their conversation because you kind of got to keep up with them, or pretty soon they're like choking each other out. And so you you keep up with the conversation, and you hear what they're saying, and you hear them kind of arguing, and the and the bigger one or the older one starting to get on top and starting to get at it, but you know that they're not even right. And so pretty soon you say, okay, I'm going to have to put a stop to this, and you step in and you say, hey, knock it off. <laughs> You're not even right. Don't, don't even go there. And even if both of you are right, you're my kiddos. I don't want you fighting with each other all the time. Well, what does it say here? It says, don't grumble against one another, brother, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. You know, our Lord is is listening. He's hearing this. And even when we're right, he's saying, is that how we is that how we're to draw people closer to Christ? No. Then in verse 10 he says, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider them blessed who remain steadfast. The ones who stood up under under trials, those are the ones that we honor. Or you heard of the steadfastness of Job. Oh boy. Mention Job. Uh, anyone who knows the story of Job knows. Job, nobody suffers like Job suffered. I mean, he lost everything except for his wife who was telling him, and bless her heart, she just saw him suffering so bad. She's telling him, just curse the Lord and die. I don't think that was a I don't think that was a meanness coming from her. I think she was like just broken. And so was he, being broken. And he remained steadfast. And now because of that, you've heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So even with Job coming back through and completely restoring him, completely restoring his world. 
bringing him back to full healing. The Lord was kind and compassionate in that, in his steadfastness. And then we hit verse 12, and he says, Above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. I want to start a little, start off a little bit with that verse right there because I think that verse is important, and I don't want to leave that out. It's not an outlier. <clears throat> in fact, that may be one of the more important verses in the whole deal because as, as followers of Christ, as uh, representatives, appointed representatives and ambassadors of the Lord, guys, when you say something, whoever hears it ought to be able to just say, you know what, she said that, that's truth. She meant what she said, I, I, can, put my, I can put my seal on it. When he says yes, he means yes, and it will be done. That's how our contemporaries should see us. Now, that's kind of convicting to me. I get, I get turned around every time I get that verse in front of me. Because I really need to not have to say no, really, to anybody. I should be able to just make, make my statement, and it should stand for what it is. Not because I'm so darn serious, but because they know who I follow, and they know that my word is good for where it stands. So let your yes be yes, and your no be no. And it doesn't have to go a whole lot further than that. <clears throat> so looking at those things, we see... Uh, we see your yes be yes and your no be no. We see don't be grumbling against one another and and uh, and be a, a, a good example. But I want to look a little bit closer because this thing is is labeled in in our scripture. It's titled patience and suffering, and <clears throat> it's not just talking about momentary suffering, but it's talking about some suffering that can go pretty long term. When you talk about the early rains and the late rains in a season, that's a farmer who's being patient all the way through the season. It's not like today and then now I'm irritated tomorrow. That's a longer-term thing. And when you look at Job, that was a very long-term thing, and it was not, I mean, it was comprehensive. It took up everything. So we are being called to be patient like Job in situations like Job. And that has to make us wonder, why? Why is that? So let's look at what God's Word has to say <clears throat> about that. First thing I want to talk about is experience. You can experience the comfort of Christ in the midst of suffering. Now, <clears throat> think about this. How is it possible for you to experience the comfort of Christ in suffering without suffering? Can it be done? Well, if you have done any suffering, and then you hear someone who hasn't done much suffering start talking about comfort in suffering, it's pretty quick in your mind to be able to feel like, you know what? There's more to it than that, and there is. In 2 Corinthians 1-7, through 7, he says, For 
As we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort also. Uh, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you also will share in our comfort. <clears throat> Their comfort was coming from Christ. Their, they had hung their hat 100% totally on the, on the, the power of Jesus, the, the ability of Jesus, the supremacy of Jesus, and they knew where they stood in that. And they knew that their suffering was, was coming for a purpose and that he was bringing comfort in that. <clears throat> so you can experience the comfort of Christ in the midst of suffering, but you can't experience it otherwise. The second thing I want to talk a bit about is experiencing the spiritual endurance that's built only in suffering. Uh, there is a, <clears throat> there is a, uh, a stick that comes from going through a suffering period or, or experiencing a suffering period with someone. There is some suffering, although it's not exactly the same, there is some suffering in being the loved one of someone who is suffering. We empathize with them in that, but much more so if, we're, if we've experienced that endurance that it builds. In Romans 5, uh, 3 through 5, he says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Well, why? Knowing that sufferings produce endurance, and endurance produces character. And character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Why do we want to, to uh, build the endurance that comes from suffering? Well, because suffering builds character, and character produces hope. You know, you're being shaped by your future as a Christian, you're not being shaped by your past. Now, our past has, has important implications, and there are important things that, that we can do with our past. Our past gives us the opportunity to, to uh, identify with someone and actually be able to enter into something that they're experiencing because we have actually experienced it in our past. We just talked about that with the previous point on suffering. <clears throat> but you're not being shaped by your past. You're being shaped by your future. Because you're a follower of Christ, and God is shaping you into what he wants you to be. Have you ever seen a, a, a small character in a big assignment? It's pathetic. And yet, suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. And character builds character the size of the job that God has for you to do the assignment, the good works that he's produced beforehand for us, right? We only get there through, through the development of that through suffering. The third thing is we can experience an empathy or a perspective on the depth of Christ's suffering for us. What our forgiveness and imputed righteousness cost Jesus. 
Um, I don't, I think that as we we're probably the most pampered, uh, easiest situation generation and location that's ever existed on Earth. Right. So so we're in here in this like perfectly lit. 72 degrees, maybe 73 degree ambient excellence, not too much wind, but there's a little bit of air moving so it doesn't get real stagnant in our nice clothes on our soft chair, watching a bright screen, recording something. Guys, we're pampered. We got it kind of easy. If it was a little too chilly, we'd be putting our little jackets on, right? My wife carries her jacket because in the restaurant it's just a little too cold, so I put my jacket on. Nothing against my wife, but folks were just a little bit pampered. And and I think that as we're in these soft chairs in this nice room with a cool light, looking at our Bible, reading the story of Christ's suffering, sometimes we miss that. Sometimes we read through that and we say, oh, that's cool that he died on the cross and, and that and that saved me from my sins, and God raised him from the dead, and I accepted him in my life, and so now I'm a, a Christian, and I follow him. And we, we gloss over that and miss the whole point of how important it is in his suffering. Well, how can you identify with Christ's suffering if you have done no suffering yourself? Now, I'm going to guess, I'm probably not talking to a crowd that has never experienced suffering so I hope you don't hear that coming to you saying, well, you've never experienced this or you've never experienced that. I've probably not experienced as much suffering as most of you guys have from time to time. <clears throat> but that doesn't erase the fact that there is a, a good deal of empathy built through the, f- through the experience of suffering there. In Philippians, he says, being found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes from faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I might attain the resurrection from the dead. And then after I had all this thing completely put together this morning in a little Bible study that I go to, somebody brought up this passage from Mark and said, why did Jesus say and I'm going to botch this, guys, but Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it occurred to me that in a moment, it wasn't a Christ's weakness. Christ wasn't showing weakness. But in a moment of feeling the brunt of God's wrath for my sin against him, he felt like God had abandoned him and enough to cry out on the cross you know there's he's the son of God God couldn't look on sin he became sin for us God turns his back on him as punishment for our sin I remember a few years ago I had a student that <coughs> brought to church and and uh, I think it was a church service. It was either that or one of the retreats that we were at. And, and I, I don't know if you've ever heard the whole rendition of how 
of everything that Jesus went through on the cross and dying for our sin and how and how devastating that was and 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 he's in tears. And after the service he said, "Man, I never I didn't know that. I didn't know it was like that." And in a moment he got a glimpse of the suffering, felt that that uh the gravity of Christ's suffering and was able to identify with him in that. We see that through our own personal suffering, sharing in his. Fourth, we identify with and help others who are also experiencing suffering. <clears throat> now we're kind of getting into uh, the meat of things and, and uh, what I believe is the reason why we experience many of the things that we experience. And that is uh, that, so that we can identify with others and help them with that experience. We just talked about that with what our past is good for. Second Corinthians 1 through 7 is, if we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. And if we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. We know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. You know, that's, that's the writer identifying with and helping others who are also experiencing suffering. They're saying, look, we are suffering too. We know what it's like. And we know that you know what it's like too. It's important that we put ourselves with other people when we're suffering, not just hole up. Easiest to do that. Disappear for a while. We need to get ourselves with other believers who have been through suffering, who know and understand what it is that we're going through so that we can relate that. It's very important. And then fifth, for the lost, we show non-believers the unmeasurable value of life that can endure suffering and do so with joy peace and kindness and that only happens in Jesus I suppose we've all in we've all endured we've all experienced people who are who are wrapped up in their own suffering and but you don't see any joy peace and kindness in that maybe we've even been that person before I can testify that a good kidney stone will get me real tough on the joy peace and kindness I'm not very good patient when it comes to uh, a good kidney stone, although I'm not sure I've ever experienced a good kidney stone, they're all they're all bad. But <clears throat> we can show people that there's that there's hope in suffering. Remember, suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. And what did it say? Character produced hope. <clears throat> Literally, there is hope in suffering. In First Peter, speaking of the devil, he says, Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you've suffered, suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who's called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore you, confirm, Strengthen and establish you. 
in Romans 8, <clears throat> for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. <clears throat> what we're going through right now is what Scripture would say is light and momentary. <clears throat> Even our lives are just a dot, just a mist on the timeline of eternity. <clears throat> so what we're going through right now and what we're going to go through are light and momentary compared to the glory that is to be revealed to us in Christ Jesus. And for us to withhold that, to withhold that hope in a world that's suffering, look around you. You don't have to look too far. The world is suffering. <clears throat> for us to do that, well, that doesn't just really sound too Christian to me. We need to be, we need to be open Share that. Share that. You see, the writers tonight were all in. <clears throat> they were 100%. They were suffering for, for a faith that was actually even relatively new, but they knew what they had seen. They knew what they had experienced. They had spiritual markers in their lives that were as, as real as your spiritual markers are. And they suffered in the midst of it. You know, we haven't, we haven't done much suffering, but there's been one truth that's been prevalent through the ages, and that is that you as a Christian, <clears throat> and it probably holds true, as a non-Christian, maybe it's just as a human, but certainly as a Christian, you are either just coming out of suffering or you're just getting ready to go into suffering. It just happens that way. We will suffer. There's, there are promises in the Bible, but that is one of them. And so <clears throat> how we have set ourselves to handle that suffering and to go through that suffering walking with Christ all along <clears throat> reveals a great deal about that relationship that we have to him. <clears throat> they are 100%. We need to be 100%. In Colossians, he says, Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. And in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church. So it's not just the people that you see right here. It's not just the people that you deal with at work or your family, but it's the whole body of Christ, the whole body of Christ. In 2 Corinthians, you yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are Christ's letter delivered by us, not written with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. <clears throat> even if you can't readily identify with suffering right now, maybe it's possible that, that some of us haven't done any suffering hardly at all. <coughs> if that's true, I would say thank God for that. I'm not saying that we should go out looking for suffering. I'm not that guy. 
I've heard people say, pray for suffering, because it's in suffering that all of these things happen. I don't think God tells us to pray for suffering. I'm not going to pray for you for suffering, okay? I'd hope that you won't pray for me that I will suffer. But we will suffer, and we know that. And when we do, we need to be in that position of 100%. We need to know what God's Word says about suffering. And we need to, we need to consider it all joy. Because we are the letters written by God on the hearts of men to witness to them the amazing excellence of, of the Lord, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is your letter open? Are pages 1, 2, 3, and 4 all there with page 5? Or are they going to have to dig through the envelope and try to figure out where the last four pages went? We need to be an open letter to our community, to our neighbors, that says, come to Christ. Because even when you're suffering, even when you're, when you're wiped out, you can still be kind and you can still have joy and you can still have peace. And you can still show that to other people. <clears throat> questions about suffering observations about about that we missed the ball completely is that strike one or did that make sense was did it anybody want to share about suffering or we I would love to be able to pray together for for you if if you're going through something right now I know that's kind of like whew, put it out there but but there's only 8 or 9 of us in here so you know it's pretty it's a pretty good spot Well let's praise God that that maybe we're not in a season of suffering among ourselves right now, and just uh, <clears throat> lift him up and ask him to show us if there's someone around us that is that we can that we can help comfort, bring God's comfort to. <clears throat> and then I just pray that you guys will go out blessed. Excuse me, my voice is doing a weird thing. That doesn't happen much. <clears throat> pray with me, <clears throat> Father God. I just uh, I just thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for. <clears throat> 